welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, and thanks for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope that you are doing well. Uh, we are your hosts. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, and I am joined by the gracious, generous, and genuine Jordan Porter. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Ooh, let's come up with some good words. <laughs> good G words. I know there's, there's a lot of them. We can probably keep going with this G g word yeah it's funny g word <laughs> it's like my dad when i call him g unit oh like, <laughs> he oh gee <laughs> he is oh so funny uh so how's your how's your week going uh the week is going back to work uh i only nice. worked two days this week which was kind of nice to like get slowly back in before i go back to like my normal schedule yeah um However, I don't have a clue how the kids did on schoolwork this week. Oh. Well, at least for Thursday, Friday, because I work eight to six both days. And so I was just like, I think Bailey told me, which I got to do that today, I guess. Uh, I have to turn in something for her to her teacher. Mm. Um, so that's going. But yeah, other than that, like, it's it's nice to be back at work. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, if you if you choose to not be at work. That's one thing, <laughs> but mm-hmm. when you don't choose it, it's a little different. So, yeah, it was one of those things where like, I'm slightly torn. I really liked being at home and like being in a better, just mental headspace that like, yeah. I feel like I was better with the kids. And I was like, man, I really could, I think I really could like do this, uh. but like at the same time, I still wasn't like my normal self. Like I was very lazy and I don't like being lazy and I just, yeah, I don't know. I gotta, I, I gotta get back into my routine. Do, yeah, there is something about a routine. Like you can be lazy up to a certain point, mm-hmm. but then it's like you have to get back into your norm or a normal routine. Like it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. the one that you did before. But yeah, I'm I'm working on figuring out that routine. <laughs> yeah. So, but we'll talk right? about trying to that figure out like a good more. time frame. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that more in our mental health series because it's definitely a part of that so (laughs) just a little it was one of those things where it's like the day that I knew when I was going back to work I had like three days until then so I slammed in a bunch of work and then it was like (laughs) so like I slacked off for like two weeks and then I was like (laughs) obsessing over getting stuff done and then like I spent the last day the last day I was very torn I was like do I spend this last day doing absolutely nothing before going back to work or do I spend it like accomplishing stuff and Mm. I did nothing so sometimes that's okay sometimes that's what you need (laughs) I keep telling myself that and then I keep telling myself like get off your lazy butt and go do something um (laughs) stop waiting for the last minute be nice to yourself Jordan be nice (laughs) yeah I'm learning my new self (laughs) currently yeah yeah I think and I think that's something that we all have to be better about too, is just being more gracious with ourselves. Like we're gracious with like 
pets and, and stuff like that. But it's like, we forget that we also have to be nice to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I know I do that sometimes. So yeah, we'll yeah. definitely talk about it on the mental health series. Cause it's been, sure. it's been a learning curve for sure. Yeah. yeah. Which the mental health series comes up. What after this GI series? Yes, that's the plan. So I'm working on working on it's it's (laughs) it's definitely taking more time to get i think these notes for the mental health series like figured out because i feel like you and i like when we're talking internal medicine stuff like we know it we can we know what we need to like put in there Mm -hmm. right but this is a very different and obviously we're learning it and we're not experts in it and so yeah i think you know finding that information and and we're gonna we're we're kind of starting to reach out to some people who are more experts than we are <laughs> mm-hmm. to uh, maybe help with the series. So I think it's going to, I think it's going to be really good. Um, I don't think it's going to be an end all be all at all. I think it's no. going to be, you know, opening some discussions and yeah, I think that's what, at least my plan for it was, is just to open the discussion. Cause like Lord knows, like, I don't know. I think if you would have asked me two or three years ago, like if I thought, I would be where I am now, like mentally, like I thought I was very mentally stable, like, mm. but now when I look back at myself at that time, I'm like, man, like there was all these signs of like how I was just spiraling mm. that I just like didn't understand. And now when I look back, I'm like, no, I've actually been like really m- not messed up, but like not but mentally for a while healthy (laughs) mentally unhealthy for a while and I think that's something too that you and I've been talking about is the Mm -hmm. fact that it's a health like it's not it's again we'll talk about it more in the series but you know it's it's you need to maintain your mental health it's not Mm -hmm. something that is like this is where you are and that's it. Like it's, it's a continuum. And, and I think yeah. it's, it's interesting that for healthcare professionals, we don't think that way, <laughs> which is so if weird. I, if I think about myself getting sick though, like it, it's just the same thing. Like I'm very, put it aside and go do what you need to do and everything else will be fine. Like I just need to get up, go to work, even if I'm not feeling well, even though like my boss is stellar and he's like no, seriously, stay home. But I think in the beginning of my profession, it was very much like, well, are you really sick? And there wasn't that trust. And it was just like, I've trained my brain to be like, you're fine, suck it up and be fine. And now because of my new boss, especially now too, I'm very much like more aware of it. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for my current job and my current position for making me a little bit more aware of how I am. I mean, if you're working in a place that allows you to have that, I don't want to say conversation, but I guess it is conversation or gives you the space to be able to do that. That's awesome. I feel like there's definitely a lot of clinics that they don't think that way because they're, they're, they're in survival mode. And I think, Mm -hmm. I I mean, we're definitely going to dive into this in our series, but I think it's going to be very interesting I think 2020 has put a microscope lens on Mm -hmm. the veterinary community and our lack of, 
support for mental health and, and that, and, and what I mean with that is like, we run ourselves ragged and don't give ourselves mm-hmm. a place to be healthy. Um, yeah. And I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes of, of everything. Cause I think it really magnified a lot of problems that were happening, but we'll definitely, we'll definitely dive deep <laughs> in a couple of weeks on this. Um, Cause it's, yeah, it's, it, it and I think it's, it's going to be a big conversation because it's not yeah. even just mental health. There's those clinics out there who, like I said, even do just question whether or not you're physically sick or, well, or and, still tell you to come to work, like if you're sick and, but I think that all plays into the mental health aspect. And I think, oh, for sure. Like I, I said, it just, it yeah. like trained my brain to be like, no, you're fine. Put it aside versus my clinic now is like we're very much a family. I can talk yeah. to my boss and be like, I mean, I called him a couple weeks ago and I was like, I, I need help. Like, I'm not going to survive. I talked to my office manager and she helped me like be okay with like doing certain things for me. And it's yeah. just like, I needed that reassurance from them, but they're very much my family. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think we're going to talk about like, there's okay there's so much we could unwrap (laughs) before we start diving into that episode i think because yes there's so much there um but anyways i hope you guys join us for that series because i think it's gonna i think jordan and i are learning a ton Mm -hmm. and i hope it like opens a door for you guys and i think i really hope it's just part of the bigger discussion that so many places are having, whether that's at a conference or your clinics or the other podcasts that are out there. I think it's just, it's something that really needs to be talked about more too. Um, So we're going to, we're going to join that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. But this week, this week we yeah. were doing, man, I love these episodes. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> said that on any no. of these episodes. I'm sorry, Jordan. What kind of episodes do you love? Oh, the good old B and B. I swear. B and B. So B to B. Back to basics. We giggle because it's gastrointestinal, and we have so many GI episodes already. But we never did a basic anatomy and physiology. GI episode and and I and it was funny because <laughs> we realized that and we're like hey wait a second let's 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 get that out of the way so just if you I mean obviously we have we have more in this GI series that we're going to be doing but um, some of the episodes that we already have that you can listen to obviously is episode three which was vomiting just normal cat vomiting there's no such thing uh, episode four, which is diarrhea, large bowel or small bowel, the scoop on understanding number two. One of my favorites. I know, right? I, you know, those episodes are actually really popular without us even talking about them. But, um, you know, I think it's so many patients deal with that. And it's such a common, you know, GP emergency internal medicine. Like we all mm-hmm. kind of deal with the the vomiting and diarrhea stuff. Episode six is pancreatitis when exocrine goes haywire. Then we have episodes 13 through 19, I believe that are, um, and they, that was like our first GI series. So it was like working up GI patients, food sensitivity, GI lymphoma. We had an IBD part one and part two, and then Mm -hmm. feeding tubes. 
And then we have some liver episodes that again, liver is an accessory organ to the GI so 44 and 45 and then episode 68 that we just did which is epi so exocrine pancreatic insufficiency so there's a lot of gi episodes <laughs> already um because but we're I doing feel, more yeah and well and internal <laughs> medicine very much is gi like that's our gi and endocrine are like our bread and butter like, yeah like, yeah exactly <laughs> i feel like that's the toenail trim and anal gland <laughs> of the gp <laughs> GI and endocrine is like that for internal medicine. Yeah. <laughs> so like toenails and anal glands and ears. Like Yeah. Just- yeah. No, that, and that's not us so much. Like I don't deal with that. I'm like, nope, nope. That's not don't us. Miss it. <laughs> don't miss it. I remember, oh man, I remember in tech school though, when I first learned how to do anal glands, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I, always, <laughs> I always joke. I'm like, could you imagine if people had anal glands? Oh yeah. You know, I had a client ask me that one time. And I was like, do you rub your butt on the ground? Do like, you ask your, no. do, do you just go up to your best friend and you're like, you guys, I'm feeling a little impacted. Can you help? Do you just rub your butt on things and be like, this is mine? Yeah. Like, you get scared and you just smell like a musky smell. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we gotta stop. Oh. <laughs> I know it's it, it yeah, no, we don't have anal wins. Thank God. Um so, oh, yes. thank God. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So we're doing a back to basics episode. I really like these notes because it's just like, it's just all anatomy and physiology. Yeah. It's like the B to B, A and P. <laughs> like, yeah, right. And we have to just remind everyone at the time of this recording, it is not yet race approved. We're still working on that. So we'll let you know once that's actually approved, but you can always use it for self-study and, um, and all that, but we'll let you know as soon as it's race approved. Yeah. We're getting there. We're slowly getting Plus, there. Dude, we're on episode 69. Who knew? That's a lot of episodes. It's a lot it's of crazy. episodes. It's crazy. I mean, good for us. We're over a year. Woo. Yeah. We're almost into the triple digits. Ugh. Whoa. <laughs> no, we're almost a third of the way there. Calm down. <laughs> I don't know. But- Easy now. Ooh. Anyway, all right, so diving into my A&P lesson for the day, we are talking just the GI tract. We mentioned kind of going over the liver episodes again, but I did not talk about the liver in this at all because we covered it pretty well in like the gallbladder episode about how it helps with GI function. Um, Same with the pancreas. I briefly mentioned it in this episode, but very brief Yeah, because we have episodes on it. Right. So (laughs) the parts of our GI tract include our oral cavity, including our teeth, um, esophagus, stomach, small intestines, large intestines, all the way through to the rectum, um, anus, all the way out from in to out is the GI tract. Yep. So kind of starting from top to bottom here, I'm going to go into I kind of skipped over the teeth. I was going to do a little bit on teeth and I was like, nah. (laughs) Well, and I think, I mean, I mean, obviously teeth are extremely important, right? But they're, 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 they're highly specialized in in and of themselves. Like you could do a whole episode, I'm sure on teeth. (laughs) It's not my area expertise. Right, exactly. And we typically don't deal with a lot of teeth issues in internal medicine Um, not to be our normal random self but I was thinking about this the other day about how I haven't seen like a 
tooth abscess in a really long time and like how in GP. It, oh, it, like, it like ruptures out right below the eyeball. Yeah. And how it was Oof. like, I used to see it like it was so common and I literally yeah. haven't seen one in eight years. Cause I was thinking, I was looking at my dog's teeth and I was like, man, I should get these clean. Otherwise like you're going to get a tooth root abscess. And I'm like, wow, I haven't thought about that in six years. Right. (laughs) I know. Yeah. And I, and, and we sometimes will get patients referred to us because, um, you know, they're not eating or they're not doing well and they got a dental cleaning because they thought, oh, it's the teeth. But (laughs) then it's like, well, we did the dental cleaning and the extractions and all that stuff and they're still not eating. So now they have to go to internal medicine. Like we could, we could probably do an episode though on like feline, uh, gingivitis. Cause we've seen a couple of those cases and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could um, do, we could do a whole series on teeth. Stuff. I mean, everybody who's listening to us <laughs> has probably heard that periodontal disease can lead to a lot of internal medicine diseases. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that being said, we're not talking about teeth today. <laughs> <laughs> the tongue. I'm going to talk about the tongue. So it has these wonderful papillae, those little dots all over the tongue, um, in dogs and cats and all Actually, I guess I don't know if all creatures, but most of the creatures that I've seen the Definitely tongue. Definitely mammals that have tongues are going to have yeah. papillae. Well, yeah. But I wonder, like, if it, I'm feeling, I've had a huge cup of coffee today. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> like as big as my head. Oh my God, it is <laughs> giant. You guys should see this cup of coffee. It's it's pretty pretty good size so i'm, I'm gonna be a little like all over the place even though i tried very hard to keep these notes very well organized so anyway these papillae <laughs> assist in grooming as well as moving food down to the pharynx so the pharynx is also included in that gi tract there but i kind of skipped over it because in my opinion it's also the oral cavity in the like it's where the oral cavity and the esophagus meet so <laughs> like yep. the oral pharynx um, <laughs> These, there are specialized papillae, not all of them, just specialized ones that contain taste buds. The tongue also has nerve supply, which allows for sensations like pain, touch, and temperature, as I burned my tongue on really hot coffee last night. Um, Because apparently that's all I drink is coffee. I had coffee before bed last night, and then I woke up and drank super hot coffee this morning. I think, I feel like I'm talking fast and like, I'm, Yeah. Slow you down. might want to you might want to drink some water <laughs> water use your, tongue, use your tongue to taste some water yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh i know i feel like i can't sit still today like i'm very since we've gotten on here i'm talking with my hands a lot and like whew, i am all over the place nice maybe you should drink a little less caffeine for a little while <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I really like this mug and it's, I mean, um, you could put water in it. I could, but it's been, or I think, I think, my, tea. I think my problem is, is it's been like super cold and rainy. And so I'm like hot liquids. Like I need tea. I, you can do tea. You can do, do some <laughs> less caffeinated teas. I need to just drink lavender tea. I just need coffee in the morning, lavender tea. And then at some point I'm going to meet in the middle. And right? you have chamomile tea. Yes. I don't drink tea very often. There's a lot of really good teas, but you just, you know, don't drink the black and the green because then you'll have just as much caffeine as your 
<laughs> coffee. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to stay on track for the rest of this episode. <laughs> There's definitely no guarantees. Anyway. So the tongue also has superficial positioning of blood vessels. If you lift up your patient's tongue on the bottom, you can see those blood vessels. This allows for very good thermoregulation since our patients don't sweat like we do. Um, and yeah. so they can thermoregulate by panting. Yeah. And that's, that's important to remember too, when we're anesthetizing our patients, right. Is that a lot of their heat can leave through their mouth. And so, you know, having like, even just, just putting like a towel over their head can help with keeping them warm. I mean, that's a Mm -hmm. whole, that's a whole thing. So, and, and some uh, patients, not so much dogs and cats, but other species, right. They, they can use their tongue for picking up things. So the tongue really is, it's a unique organ. Um, so it's just interesting. And the other thing to remember, like when you're doing anesthesia, um, you can palpate the artery under the tongue to feel pulses, which is really cool. Um, you can do a blood draw with the tongue. Not that I am a big fan of that, but if you have to, sometimes you have to. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. The, oh man, the tongue though bleeds so bad. Like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to hold off. <laughs> like, you're like squishing, <laughs> you can't put tape on it, so you're just like, Bleh. yeah. Um, so then leads us now to saliva. So saliva is actually super important in aiding in digestion. The salivary glands live in the oral cavity, um, and they deposit saliva via ducts. We talked Wait. about ducts versus salivary glands are in the oral cavity. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's considered oral cavity. Cause like when you see like a salivary, like, like, yeah, that's an oral cavity. It's before the pharynx. Yeah. I guess I just think of like jaw, but I guess that's considered oral cavity. All right. Okay. Yeah. Saliva contains mostly water, which apparently I don't know what water is this week, Uh, (laughs) but also protein, electrolytes, and antibodies like our IgA. We talked about that in some of our GI episodes previously, Mm -hmm. which is immunoglobulin A, um, and then some other enzymes as well. And then saliva excretion via ducts is actually primarily regulated by the nervous system. Mm-hmm. which I do talk some neuro stuff which so Brittany would probably be proud unless right. I butcher it. <laughs> like, well, and it's that whole um, fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. Or rest and digest. So when we're resting and digesting, that's our nervous system. So it's the um, parasympathetic because remember peristaltic waves is all rest and digest. So that stimulates mm-hmm. our GI system to kind of start up. Um, and so, you know, yeah. we have that and, and the GIS and internal medicine, like salivary that we'll see issues with that sometimes, especially like our kidney patients. Mm-hmm. So like if they have really high BUN and creatinine or they're super acidic, we'll sometimes see those lesions where the salivary ducts come out. And then we know that they're, they're having issues. So it's, it's you know, you can get a salivary gland infection. Like there's all sorts of things that can happen, but hopefully, hopefully you don't have to deal with all that. (laughs) So once the food moves into the esophagus, peristalsis is initiated, which I don't even remember what episode, but I know we talked about it where like, I never thought about the esophagus having (laughs) peristaltic waves, but it's when you were talking about the giraffe neck. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You're like, how does the giraffe, what if the giraffe has mega esophagus? It was, I think it was the mega esophagus episode too. Yeah. But there I, is, I'm still like, waves. I'm still like hardcore about the giraffe thing. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> peristaltic waves of the esophagus along with anywhere else are an involuntary reflex. And then this moves food from the oral cavity through the esophagus into the stomach. And then the stomach is used to store food as Mm. well as breakdown of food via mechanical breakdown or chemical breakdown. It's a combination. It's wonderful. Yeah. And then it's, it's important too, to remember that, at the end of the esophagus, there is a sphincter, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the cardiac sphincter because it's right next to the heart. Um, and that leads into the stomach. And so for us, that's important when we're talking about esophageal form bodies or gastric form bodies, because mm-hmm. the cardiac sphincter drives us crazy. Like we have a love hate relationship with it. Cause that sucker works so well. Uh, yes. And you're like, I just want to pull it out. Stop it. It's like, it's like when you intubate a cat and you're like, just open up. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. So, so we, so the, the peristaltic waves are pushing the, the food bolus, right? Cause that's what it is. It's a food bolus down the esophagus through the cardiac sphincter into the stomach. Do you have any of the fun words like deglutition? Nope. It's one of my favorite words because there's mastication, Mm -hmm. which is chewing your food. Mm -hmm. Right. I, um, I, I liked it when I was in class and I was teaching my students about mastication. I'm like, you can masticate in public. Uh Just don't do other things, but mastication you're allowed to. (laughs) You're so funny. Well, but they remembered it. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. That's fair for sure. Yes. Um, and deglutition is, is swallowing. So we swallow our, we deglutinate yeah. our food bolus into our esophagus down. Into well, our and stomach. prehension is the act of food going into the mouth. Oh, which, that's right. Yeah. It makes me think about the elephants, how they have the prehensile trunk trunk. Yep. And, and then so there's they can... r- giraffes and rhinos that have a prehensile tongue. Mm-hmm. which is crazy mm-hmm. to me. Um, I'm obviously watching a show about zoo medicine right now. Cause I'm yes. like all like large animals, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the lips are considered prehensile, like on horses and stuff like that. And like, it just makes me want to, you can't see me, but we're both doing it. Yeah. I'm using my lips. Um, anyway, lips. so back to the <laughs> back to the cardiac sphincter. That sucker. It should be nice. It, it's made of nice uh, skeletal muscle. Um, it's nice and firm. However, sometimes you can have a lax cardiac sphincter, and that's when you kind of get that refluxy patient. Yes. Um, and then, of course, our mega esophagus patients as well. Um, yeah. It's not always their sphincter that's the problem. A lot of times it's just the esophagus, but sometimes it can be a combination yep. and things just come come right back up. So that's usually what you're dealing with there. But leading into the stomach, our stomach is this is where I'm going to get into some neuro stuff kind of off and on here. So perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So the stomach itself is divided into different regions, the cardia, the fundus and the pylorus. 
within the stomach, there's a production of intrinsic factor, which I put this in here just because this is required for absorption of our favorite vitamin here in IM. And that would be vitamin B12 in the small, <laughs> small intestines. So that's actually triggered within the stomach. Um, mm. And then all three regions of the stomach. So that cardia, the fundus and the pylorus, they all contain gastric pits. And what these are is also openings of ducts lined with glandular cells. So these are just like tons of little cells. And these, these regions have different glandular cells that do different things, but I'm going to talk primarily, like I didn't get into like the nitty gritty glandular secretions. I got into like the bulk of it. Right. <laughs> well, and I think too, for, for internal medicine technicians, right. When we're doing scopes, like I, I picture this now because We've done so many scopes. Like I mm -hmm. know what this stuff looks like on the inside. So yeah. if you haven't seen a scope, it's definitely very interesting. And you can see like the different regions. And typically we don't see these ducts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do. <laughs> and you're like, oh, right? you're not supposed to see that. <laughs> you're like, you're so angry and spotted. Yeah. Which is interesting because you can sometimes see them and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, there they are. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, and then so the cardia, which comes from like the cardiac sphincter. So it's, it's the, like the uppermost one by yeah. the heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so yeah, so the cardia kind of joins along. So you have the esophagus, the uh, cardiac sphincter, and then the like the cardia and then the body of the stomach. And then the fundus is like the upper portion. Yeah. So the, the, and the upper portion being like ventral, no dorsal, sorry. Cranial. Well, but cranial is the I'm thinking cardia. of a person. Yeah. So for, for cats, <laughs> the, the cardia is the most cranial and then the fundus is the most dorsal part of it. Mm -hmm. And then the pylorus is the ventral caudal. So it's, it's not like, it's not like you take the stomach and there's like three lines. It's kind of a trapezoidal thing, but um, <laughs> it's like, you know, but uh, yeah, so you can, you can think of those as the, the regions. Cause again, like the stomach isn't just like a big hollow circle. It's, it's kind of has a little bit of a turn to it. The reason why I mentioned like where the cardia is, is because this secretes alkaline mucus, which protects against damage from the gastric acids. So that's where I was kind of talking about the esophageal sphincter. And if it stays open, you can have that refluxy thing, but the cardia itself, like those glandular cells secrete that mucus to protect against the gastric acid. So we don't have that refluxy thing. Cause if you have too much reflux though, too, that's going to stimulate your esophageal sphincter um, to open. Yes. Yep. And then the fundus and the body of the stomach have glands that produce like mucus neck cells, uh, parietal cells and chief cells. Mm. Um, the one that we think of the most, I think is the parietal cells that secrete hydrogen and chloride, which forms hydrochloric acid, which helps break, break down, down the food. food. Yep. Um, and then in the pyloric region, um, that I'm, they have mucus producing cells as well, but the pyloric region itself of the stomach helps to determine the rate of gastric emptying. So yes. what cats are supposed to empty their stomachs every, like between four and six hours and dogs are six to eight. Yeah. Um, 
but that pyloric region can help determine the rate of gastric emptying. So of course, in IM, we see a lot of diseases within the pyloric region, like masses or usually masses or, <laughs> or foreign bodies or foreign bodies. <laughs> and that slows down the rate of gastric emptying or just disease down there as well. Cause that's the most caudal portion of the stomach as well. Yeah. Um, so disease down there is pretty common and then those cells, those glandular cells produce that mucus, which as well as producing G cells and G cells are endocrine cells that secrete gastrin into the bloodstream. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 And, and, and remember the mucus is going to help. It's going to help that food bolus that is mm-hmm. in the stomach move through the intestines. And so we've got you know, food breakdown and the soup that is the stomach, right? And then it it hopefully gets to a point where it's broken down enough to go into the pylorus, through the pylorus, into the small intestines, into the duodenum. Um, And I don't... I don't know if you remember like how you learned the order of duodenum, jejunum, ileum. Do Do you remember... I don't remember. I just, I'm picturing the magic school bus episode right now. (laughs) So (laughs) my students were always amazing. So they, they told me that the way that they remembered the small intestines was because they were talking about the DJ Ilium. And I was like, all right. Okay. Like a DJ. Yeah. I got it. You're like, so I have to say it like that DJ Ilium. There, yeah. I think there was a way I learned it in like third grade. I remember in third grade. Third making, grade? What? Yeah. Wow. No, I definitely didn't learn that in third grade. I remember <laughs> making this t-shirt and it had like our stomach on it and the small intestines and like we labeled it that way. And there was a specific way I remembered it, but I don't remember it now. So it must not, but now I don't know. I just feel like I just know it now. Like yeah, just, I mean, now, <laughs> now we, d- we deal with it a lot, but you know, when you're yeah. first learning about it, you're like, uh, how do I know which order it goes in? That's a good way to remember it. Okay. DJ Ilium. Got it. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> moving into the small intestines, which again, there is a, another sphincter there. It's, you know, the pylorus. Yep. Um, <laughs> so the pyloric region is a region itself, but it ends with the pylorus. Um, the pyloric sphincter. Yep. And then, so into the small intestines, you include the duodenum, jejunum, and ilium, or DJ ilium. Okay. <laughs> and then, <laughs> see, now you're going to s- see the party. You're going to see. You're I know. You're going to see it. <laughs> I just think of all the like microvilli, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. A little raver in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, settle yourself. I can't. It's fun and exciting to learn these things. In our small animal patients, and I say small animal patients because this is not the same for some of our large animal friends, um, the small intestines is the main site for digestion and absorption. So not the stomach, not the mouth or the oral cavity, the small bowel. And then here's my brief snippet on the pancreas. It runs right alongside the descending duodenum. And this is the exocrine portion of the pancreas that produces digestive proenzymes which are deposited through ducts into the duodenum, which is why it lies right next to the duodenum. Yeah. And, and remember with dogs, there are two separate ducts that come out one for the pancreas and one for 
the um, bile duct, whereas in mm-hmm. cats, it is one common bile duct, which means the pancreas and the bile get secreted through one duct into the duodenum. Um, and so that's really just kind of important for us to remember as um, internal medicine technicians, um, because when you have inflammation or you have like a stone or anything that, like that, that plugs it up, dogs have two ducts, cats have one. Um, it's important for us to remember when we're doing GI biopsies. So when your doctor says that's the papilla, <laughs> what that means is that's where those ducts come out. So do not biopsy that because you don't want to accidentally like stricture down the duct causing backup into the pancreas or the gallbladder. So yeah, that would, that would suck. Don't biopsy the papilla. No. And the duodenum is probably the thing that we deal like the portion that we deal with most, just thinking of scopes Mm -hmm. um, versus the jejunum is a longer portion of the small intestines. And this is the main site for chemical digestion and absorption. So this is where a lot of the breakdown is going to happen. This is where a lot of those like just folds are. And a lot of the surface area is going to be the jejunum. Um, And then the ileum consists of a lot of lymphoid tissue, which helps protect animals from disease and control like the bacteria population within the gut. So Mm -hmm. each region has their specific duties. (laughs) (laughs) you said duties Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yep it's one of those episodes guys (laughs) it it definitely is apparently five-year-old jordan's coming back out um (laughs) (laughs) thank you coffee and the ileum also functions as antibody protection and filtration of fluid so again just really helping to control animal health (laughs) And, and it's for us, right. We don't biopsy the ileum from the top. (laughs) So if you're doing an upper GI, you're not getting to the ileum because our scope is not long enough to get all the way through the jejunum. Um, It is a very long portion of the intestines. It's very long and windy. It's just like, it's just, you, you just can't. Yeah. You just can't. So most of the GI tract though, this is my favorite part. I don't know why this is my favorite part. Um, So aside from talking about the small bowel, I wanted to talk about like the layers of the intestines just. Well, and I think for us in internal medicine, that's huge because we deal with it in two different places. One in ultrasound and two during biopsies. Yeah. I think that, I think that must be because I, when I was writing these notes, I was like, I just, I just picture it on ultrasound like I can just see (laughs) see all the layers (laughs) so the most of most of the GI tract though but mostly I'm talking about the intestines consists of four layers of tissue so the lumen is the portion of the bowel that like food material moves through that's the like hollow portion if you were to see it on an ultrasound or just picture intestines and cut it open and there's you know where food moves through and the the lumen remember the lumen is going to be epithelial, which is kind of cool because it's the outside of the body. <laughs> right. Jordan's so like, stop it. <laughs> so the inner layer or the lumen, um, is the mucosa. And then you have the submucosa, then the muscular layer, which consists of two different types of muscle, circular and longitudinal. And then you have the outer layer, which is a serosa. Um, is so the serosa S E R. Yeah, uh, it's a typo. I spelled it right further down. I was like, 
That's Rosa. Sorry. I spelled it right further down the last time. I just time. want to make sure because I was like, wait, am I remembering this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so the mucosa itself, so that first layer has three parts on its own, which is why I think I like it so much. So when we're biopsying <laughs> for endoscopic um, procedures, we're biopsying the mucosa. So it's consisted of the epithelium. Thanks, Yvonne. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the lamina propria. Um, and the muscularis mucosae. I'm probably not saying all of those right. I was going to say, I think I say lamina propria and then muscularis mucosae, which, yeah, I mean. Leviosa and leviosae. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so the epithelium is either going to be stratified squamous epithelium and that provides protection like in the mouth or the anus and then, or it can simple columnar epithelium. And those cells are tightly connected, like tightly packed together to help protect the animal from harmful substances entering the body. So like Yvonne said, the inside of the intestines is actually like the outside of the body. Mm. It's well, and it's, it's really interesting because it helps protect the body, but also the way that it's structured, it increases the surface area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm going so to get that. Yeah. Cause which is, which is cool. I know. <laughs> I know so cool how the body does this. It, it's really cool. So the next layer of the mucosa though, not the bowel. So we're still talking that first layer, but the next layer of the first layer is, <laughs> is one the (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly the lamina propria and this consists of loose areolar connective tissues and these contain blood vessels and lymph vessels and glands so that's where a lot of just fluid movement is happening Mm -hmm. because you got to think it's it's going to be pretty shallow in order to absorb everything and and secrete things and And electrolytes and vitamins and all sorts of stuff goes goes through that And then the last layer of the mucosa is the muscularis mucosae. um, And it's a thin layer of smooth muscle. And this is able to help form those folds, which help increase the surface area of the lining of the stomach and the intestines. So that's really the area that's going to be just like Yvonne said, it just really increases that surface area and it allows for larger area of absorption of nutrients. So that's just, you can put a large amount of like, cause you got to think of how, Stretchy. microscopic this actually is <laughs> yeah. in general and then so because it's like three layers of one layer it's like a seven yeah. layer cake but like <laughs> just yep. it's layers of cells it's not and they're layers. so specialized which is really cool like, i know it's, just, it's it's interesting which homeostasis of the gi tract right and it's and it's that's why things can go wrong because <laughs> there I are so many parts. Yeah. And that's why there's so much just general GI disease. Like anything can set it off and then you just have gastritis. Like it's just. Right. You're like gastroenteritis. <laughs> Great. There it is. Stress colitis. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, okay. So moving past that first layer of the GI tract. So moving past the mucosa, we're now into the submucosa and that consists of dense connective tissue. And then you have the muscular layer, which consists of those two smooth muscles like that I had already mentioned, the circular and longitudinal. And then the serosa itself is made up of loose connective tissue. 
Yep. And the, the muscularis layer, that's where we, we get the peristaltic waves, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it can stretch, it can squish and do all sorts of fun stuff. So, um, which is why there's two different types of muscle mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Cause it's got, so, it's got to move in all sorts of directions. <laughs> I know it's got to like flatten out, but then also like constrict in like, yeah, it's, but it's also got to stretch and and yeah yeah. oh it's so cool it's so cool yeah okay (laughs) so the gi tract itself though is regulated by two different systems so again we're talking like homeostasis here it's just this there's a reason why i tried not to go too deep because i'm like man we could talk for hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes we can especially if i can't stay on track um, <laughs> oh, you're fine. We're good. We, we got to break it up a little bit because otherwise it gets a little too deep, a little too deep. So the first system is a combination of the central nervous system and the endocrine system. Because mm-hmm. remember so, hormone regulation versus electric regulation. So we've got both central nervous yeah, exactly. system is electricity. Endocrine is hormones. Yeah. Because when you start chewing interact. the food, your brain has to say, chew the food. Now swallow the food. Yep. So, so that's electrical. Yep. And then it says, Hey, we got to do something. Otherwise you're going to have yeah. food that isn't breaking down. So that's where yeah. the endocrine comes in. Exactly. Cause your saliva is trig- triggering other hormones to start producing stuff. So, mm-hmm. but the second system is where I kind of got like just a little bit more involved because it's, it's controlled in such a like unique way mm-hmm. to, that it's just specific to the GI tract. And it consists of intrinsic or otherwise known as enteric nervous system um, with a combination of an intrinsic endocrine component um, or paracrine component. Paracrine. Um, That's kind of a cool word. Mm-hmm. So the enteric nervous system is also just known as the brain of the gut. So it contains its own pacemaker cells and is influenced by the autonomic nervous system. So that's that thing where it's like, okay, food hit the stomach. Now automatically our brain is going to start saying, okay, let's stimulate some of those. Yep. Peristaltic waves. Let's start moving food through. This is all an autonomic process triggered by the enteric nervous system. And then which this is, is a good made thing. Up- Could you imagine if you had to think about this, you're like, Oh, hold on. Got to make my stomach start churning the food. Now I got to open my pyloris. <laughs> like, just thank God it's autonomic. <laughs> like, <laughs> I imagine that like natural selection would have taken its effect a lot heavier. <laughs> like, you, to- you just have like these animals out in the wild just staring because I'm sure you couldn't think about anything else. You're like, I'm digesting. Yeah. And then you just get eaten by a lion. Like you're just like (laughs) so unaware. You're like, oh, sorry. But then the lion gets eaten by something because it's also thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Like it eats something else. Yeah. Whole vicious cycle. Oh, my God. Yay. Autonomic system. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't live without you. Exactly. So, So this nervous system is made up of two plexuses. The submucosal plexus, which controls like secretions and blood flow within the GI tract, which is very important to help break down food. And then you have the myenteric plexus, which is important in controlling the movements of the GI tract. So they do two separate things. So you have the release of chemicals to help break down food. And then you have the actual like movement of your GI tract to help break 
dumb food. So you have your chem- and, your chemical digestion and your mechanical digestion. And myentric, right? MY is muscle. So it's the one that helps movement and submucosa. I just think of mucus and that mm-hmm. is like all blood flow and secretions and stuff. Like I think of my mouth, how it, the, the mucosa just has all that yeah. versus the muscle where you can absorb things and secrete things at the same time. Like it, exactly. it's, yep. And then the other part. So now we're talking the endocrine portion. So the intrinsic endocrine and the pair paracrine systems have more of like a regulatory function versus like a digestive function. Mm. So the nervous system is more obviously the digestive function, but the endocrine cells secrete hormones directly into the bloodstream. And this takes their effect usually in distant sites. So like it could go to the liver and say, okay, now store glucose. It can go to the pancreas and say, do this. It, it, it goes to distant sites versus the paracrine cells secrete their substances directly into the interstitial fluid which is normal. There's a normal like scant amount of interstitial fluid just to help make everything move nice and smooth across each other. And then substances can travel by diffusion and affect nearby cells. So the endocrine, I mean, it's interesting because, so we get that, um, those hormones and the nutrients that are absorbed. And then, you know, it's, it's that whole, yeah. So we get, we absorb those nutrients and the electrolytes and all of that stuff and the different horm or, or the different things that get turned into that stimulate hormones. And then you have that feedback loop, right? And so the body's like, Oh, we've got food. I, I feel it being absorbed. So now I have to produce these hormones that stimulates like the bile and stimulates the pancreas. And, you know, it's, it, and it sends us something to the brain that says we're eating. So now we're resting and digesting. Like don't, <laughs> Try don't dump to... a bunch of cortisol. Right? Yeah. <laughs> please, please don't. Um, so it's cool because it has that feedback loop and it's, it's just so interesting how it all plays together. And, and that's what makes the GI system so difficult sometimes to know what the problem is. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just like, like is this endocrine or is this GI? And like, <laughs> yeah. Is it like, is it a functional thing? Is it a hormone thing? It's like, uh, which is why we get biopsies. Yeah. Or test cortisol for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So there is a lot of surface area within the small intestines that we talked about to help with digestion and absorption. So my favorite part, because again, I think magic school bus is the finger like projections made of epithelial cells. These are called villi. And in turn, they contain even smaller projections called microvilli. Um, and they form what is called a brush border and they're responsible for membranous digestion. So that's where things transfer like cell lines basically <laughs> to well, absorb into the, I was going to say, this is so thin, right? It's like one cell layer thick in some places and see if you're yeah. like capillary beds there, but it like increases the surface area like crazy. Cause yeah. like if one villi has microvilli, And then like the, oh my God, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like I don't even, I think of, um, like I said, magic school bus. So my favorite thing about um, VLI and micro VLI, um, (laughs) because I don't know if you've seen them in, in like a scope where they're like, you can see them moving. Oh, I love it. They look like sea anemones. They do look like sea anemones, but they, (laughs) but you're not supposed to see them like that. You're not supposed (laughs) to see them like that. But I also picture, you know, those, um, 
I don't even know what they're called, but the the little like guys that are in front of like businesses that are oh, like, yeah, fans yeah, they're like, and they're like, ooh, they flop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're called, but that the is inflatable also, dancing people. Yeah, the inflatable like, dancing people. I wish you guys could see us right now because we're both doing because we're both playing. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's how I picture micro Vli because <laughs> they're just like ooh, waving through. Yeah, so cars behind me like what are you doing it's like oh what are you gesturing about <laughs> <laughs> let me come over and join right all right so moving into the large intestines which contain the cecum colon rectum and anus dun 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 we're at the end of the poop shoot the end of the line here um this is where absorption of water and ions occur so I mean, I learned that in tech school, like it was, that's where the majority of your water is reabsorbed, um, which is why I think we talk about it in the diary episode too, when we're talking about like the types of poop and how you can tell which portion of the bowel comes from. Um, Yeah, we definitely talked about it in that episode for sure. This occurs. So absorption occurs with the types of movements that the large intestines do, which I found super fascinating because I don't like... I guess I didn't realize how like the different types of movements that the large intestines does. Like you probably I just assumed I mean, it was peristalsis, which it is, but yeah. And I think, um, I mean, we kind of see it, but we don't think about it, you know? Yeah. 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 Like I just, I'm like, Whoa, look at those peristaltic waves. But like, <laughs> right. That's usually what I'm talking about when I'm um, at, at trying to biopsy them. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I look at it turning like, Oh, so there's segmentation, which moves in just, just slowly back and forth, but slowly. So sometimes on ultrasound, we'll see it just like, dude, just like sloshing, sloshing. back and forth. Like, like it's being thrown back and forth, like a wave pool. And, and I'm like, not what's <laughs> Happen. you're like oh that's bad <laughs> that's excessive segmentation <laughs> so, hyper motility guys yeah. hyper motility so what that does though the purpose of that moving back and forth is it's going to increase contact with those epithelial surfaces to absorb more water and then you have the normal peristalsis which is what i normally think of so it moves in gesture forward towards the anus so in the correct mm-hmm. direction right. and then you have antiperistalsis which goes the opposite direction and the point of that is mm-hmm. to slow down the movement to allow more time for reabsorption yeah and this is i mean when we talk about this this is the whole like um transit time right mm-hmm. the normal digestion is a certain amount of transit time um if you've got hypermotility that's when you start getting like diarrhea and stuff like that versus mm-hmm. hypomotility you know you're you're getting like either constipation, megacolon yeah oh. like all those things um which i'm pretty sure i'm dealing with some hypomotility in my household at the moment which it's a whole other that's a whole other conversation but you know these are these are things that you can see on ultrasound um and so it's 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 kind of interesting to just kind of understand okay this is what it is mm-hmm. um you know yeah and it is all, interesting it's all normal it's all normal yeah. to get the poop 
you know, like absorb as much nutrients and stuff as we can from the, the ingesta. It's just amazing to me that the body understands like, all right, well, right now we're going to slowly move back and forth and then like, okay, now we can move forward. It's like those lines in Disney when you're like standing in the line (laughs) and then you're like, all right, now we can move forward. Like, and then it's like, nope, hold on. You got to move backwards because someone's coming through with a wheelchair or something. It's just amazing to me that the body knows like, you know what? No, we're at this point here. Like we're at this check mark and there's still a little bit too much water. So now we're going to start anti-peristalsis and go back the opposite direction and reabsorb some of that excess water. Like, it's amazing to me that the body's like, yeah, just that smart. Like, it's just that smart. And, and, you know, different species, I'm sure it's one of those things too, where different species kind of have to hold it more. Yeah. Um, I mean, I imagine like they don't see where like a burrow is or something like that versus, you know, your, your, um, ruminants that are just like pooping everywhere. <laughs> it's like, I don't have to hold on to it. Bye. I, I need to be as light as possible because I'm a prey animal. And so that's I like think, cow yeah. patty where it's just like, it's still a little soft and like, yeah. or like the little pellets that are just everywhere. It's like, they're just walking and they poop because they don't want the extra weight of the poo. So it's, it's just interesting how the body can specialize like that. And oh yeah. Like per exactly. species and like, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And then, okay. So then the last movement is mass movement, which mm-hmm. makes me laugh. I don't know. I mean, like it is what it is. It, it occurs within the colon and the cecum and that's the mass movement. That's a defecation. Like it's mm-hmm. putting that whole entire mass outside the body. Um, that goes out the colon. Well, you know, ascending, descending, Ascending, mm-hmm. transverse, and descending colon. And then you've got your rectum, which is a sphincter that allows poop or feces to come out. Because at this point, it's feces. It's no longer ingesta. It stopped being ingesta. Yeah. We've Pretty accomplished cool. our goal. Yeah. So common diseases, I'll just kind of run through because we've already talked about <laughs> a lot of these All diseases. Of <laughs> All of them. So GI disease is usually anorexia, vomiting, diarrhea, regurgitation, food allergies, and sensitivities, gastric stasis, hypermotility, bloating, HGE, ulceration, foreign body, masses, neoplasia, all, all of, of them. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw in endocrine diseases there because endocrine diseases show up a lot like GI diseases. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, cause again, we talked about all the exocrine or well, exocrine, endocrine functions, the, the mm-hmm. nervous functions and nervous system diseases can also affect this. So there's, unfortunately, I think that's why I like myasthenia gravis so much. It's like mm-hmm. neuro endocrine gastrointestinal. Yeah. And well, and it's all, we it's talked all about it. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, I think last week, just in, in chatting, but you know, gut health, whether, you know, that's the microbiome or anything else really does affect the rest of the body. So if you have an unhealthy gut, you're most likely going to have some, some, you know, other major health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it does, does really pay to, well, and that's why too, like severe periodontal disease can lead towards things other than just like ingesting bacteria. But like, if it's a constant source of bacteria within to the Mm -hmm. gut, like the gut can only protect so much. Mm -hmm. Um, so leading into diagnostics though, we, (laughs) all of them, (laughs) all of them. I mean, I put chem CBC T4 UA radiographs, including maybe a contrast study, which are always fun study or or just like a, depending on what you're looking for. 
And then we have obviously our GI panel, which is my favorite over at TAMU, um, which is Texas A&M gastrointestinal uh, lab. I love it. I literally don't know. I guess I was naive to the, how awesome Tamu was up until I got into <laughs> internal medicine. But I know, right? You're like, I see like places send out a cobalamin to like IDEX or one of the other ones. And I'm like, just it's cheaper at Tamu. You get so much more information. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, of course we have our ultrasound endoscopy procedures, maybe even a CT scan. Um, I threw an endocrine testing. Yep. Yeah. And then I insert my iffy face here because I put surgery on here just in case for some reason we. No. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, Jordan doesn't believe in the surgery route, but there are, you know, there are specific reasons why you would potentially want to do surgery versus endoscopy. So if you are looking because endoscopy or endoscopic biopsies, right? Yes. We talked about this. It only gets the mucosa layer. Right. Versus but not all disease is only in the mucosa layer. Yeah, right. <laughs> surgery is going to show you full thickness. So all four of those layers, you're going to see that they're going to be able to potentially see disease that we wouldn't get on endoscopic biopsies. So yes, it is definitely more invasive. Most of the time we can get our answers on an endoscopic biopsy, but sometimes we can't, Mm -hmm. especially if there's like a larger mass or something like that, that needs to be taken care of. So like a necrotic mass. Yeah. I hate those ones where you submit endoscopic biopsies and they're like, this is just necrotic tissue. And we're like, we know we tried, but we tried to get in there, but we were scared we were going to perforate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so, you definitely have a lot more control with a surgical. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so I think it, I think it just depends on what all is going on. So don't be scared of surgery. Um, you know, and, and like our, our internal medicine department, if we have a patient who has some long-term GI stuff and they're having surgery for something else, whether that's, Mm -hmm. you know, gallbladder or, or something else that they need or a splenectomy or something. Sometimes we just get, GI biopsies. Cause we're like, we're in there. We know they have GI disease. It's better to get full thickness while we're in here. Let's, as long as they're stable and can handle it, let's just get those while we're there instead of potentially having to do another procedure down the ro- road. So yeah, definitely. Um, client communication. Cause I don't think I've touched on any of these things at all <laughs> since we've started this podcast, but Um, diets can play a super big role in managing GI diseases as we've talked about in several past episodes, especially, (laughs) especially our food trial episode, um, refer back to that food sensitivity episode, but it can take weeks to see a change in some sort of GI disease. If we're trying a food trial, um, also medications can be long-term or short, short term, depending on the disease, Mm -hmm. but, and it can be a adjusted depending on what's going on. Yeah. It can be very much an off and on thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So additional diagnostics may be needed, especially if no improvement is seen or symptoms return after finishing medications. Cause that happens a lot with our IM patients where they're like, well, they did great while they were on the medication, (laughs) like metronidazole. But as soon as we came off or we finished our, our bottle, then like the symptoms came right back. Okay. Well now we need to investigate a little further because yeah, there's something else going on. It's not just gastritis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't touched on any of that ever before. I don't think. <laughs> Never. No. So yeah. I haven't talked about any of this. Yeah. It's the tip of the week. 
So I think our tip of the week this week is um, something that we also kind of are realizing that sometimes it's good to get back to basics. It's <laughs> so, so that good you to can get back remember. to basics. <laughs> right? Because like sometimes you go, oh yeah, that's why. And it, it makes, especially if you've been doing it for a while and you do have knowledge, you know, it sometimes going back to the basics, you understand it better. And so you can actually remember it better. Um, yeah. Versus that, like when like, you're first exposed to it, you're like, what are we even talking about? So, you know, getting back but to even if you're somewhat good. new, I think sometimes like re-listening to the basics of something, like, I think every time I, I mean, obviously every time I do the basics episode, I learn something new, but it's just because like, it's just different wording. Like when I put it in my own wording, yeah. I'm like, ah, it makes so much more sense. Like, <laughs> well, and, and yeah. And it, and it could be just someone says something a little bit differently and you're like, oh, I understand it with that. Like your so. DJ Ilium. <laughs> <laughs> right? There you go. That's my tip of the week. DJ Ilium. <laughs> and the microvilli that look like the mechanical air blow guys. I don't even know what they're called. I'm going to have to In- look. Somebody the tell me what they're called. Air blow. exactly so i'm gonna be that for halloween this year and then when people are like oh you're in one of those inflatable things and i'm like no i'm a micro villa oh my god (laughs) i would love if you did that i'm like you're like make one of the kids our micro villa i'll I'll make the kids be like food and i'll just like constantly be like brushing up (laughs) like ripping off pieces of their costume oh my god Like I push him down and like <laughs> nice. I was gonna say stomp on him, and then I was like, someone's gonna call child services on me. That's not what I was Microvilli are not stomping on them, but you just they're like, just split. like aggressively rubbing <laughs> on them. Like, oh my god! <laughs> if you could see my like how I'm just enacting this is this is an amazing costume idea, and I cannot wait for October. Oh my god, that would be a great like department costume. Right, like, you like just the have doctor several... could be the microvilli, and then like the or no, could all be different foods. No, 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 micronutrients. No, the, the doctor's got to be the food, so then all the techs can be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Plus, you have more techs than doctor usually, anyway, right? So, That's like, true. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh, somebody's got to do this and take a picture and send it to us. I need to put a reminder in my phone right now so, because I'm not going to remember by the time October comes around. Yeah. We're like, it's eight months away. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a great costume idea. It would be. And now for the question of the week. What was the best Halloween costume you've ever had? Oh, my God. Well, and does, does your department do like, do you do? Or your hospital or whatever. Do you guys do like a themed costume? Because we don't, but I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, we do. We've, we've, we, we do it every year. Like, because none of us know what we want to do. So uh, I don't know if it was, la- I don't think it was last year because nobody dressed up really for Halloween last year, which was really sad and pathetic. Uh, but the year before we were, um, uh, we were circus animals. Oh, cool. And, or circus characters and so mm-hmm. my doctor was a lion and I was a lion tamer um because I'm always the one that cracks the whip on her to make her go to her desk yeah that's what I did my doctor too. I'm like go I'm to like, your desk and she's like okay I'm going I'm like get back on track <laughs> <laughs> and she's like I love that you do it and I'm like yeah but I, I feel bad that I have to mom you <laughs> I'll get I'll get calls or texts on my day days off like how do you get him to like just go back to work and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<sighs> yeah, because I'm a mom. That is definitely what we do. Yeah, like, go back to work, mom. finish your go home so I can fill the meds. Go, 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 mm-hmm. go, go. Tell me what you Hurry need. Up. <laughs> Hurry up, write it up. I can't I'm do ass- anything until you're done. <laughs> I'm assuming we're doing these meds now. Write them up. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you need them? Come on. Let's go. How much on Danzatron are you going to put on that label that I know you're hurting? <laughs> How much serenia? Come on. A four yeah. pack? Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So true. Uh, Which dose of atopic are you doing for this one? <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Uh, what would anyway. doctors do without us? That could Nothing. be the other question of the week. <laughs> yeah, doctors. Yeah, doctors. What would you do without us? Place your own catheters. <laughs> Uh, my doctor can place a catheter. She just can't tape it in. Yeah. My <laughs> office manager is really good. Like she's a doctor who is an amazing tech as well. Mm. And mind you, like she's not there super, but when they first opened the practice, she had to be a tech, like until they mm. hired us awesome techs. And so like now she doesn't yeah. have to be. And she's like, I kind of miss all the teching stuff. Cause like, <laughs> we do <it> all now. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, my doctor is cute because she'll be like, okay, I'll place the cap. So she'll legit like poke and place. And then she's like, she's like, okay, you tape it in. And she'll like hand it over to me. And I'm like, okay, that's not awkward at all to try to like transition yeah. an arm, you know? Uh, it's pretty funny though. But I'm like, hey, you can hit a vein. I'm, I'm not, if I couldn't hit it and you can, I don't care. Cause my doctor claims that he could place a catheter. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> we'll see right uh, that was a fun episode um my coffee only got me a little neurotic at the beginning there and at the end fine. You're fine. um <laughs> so <laughs> anyway we hope you guys enjoyed this back to basics gi episode which is funny because <laughs> we did go back to basics because we have plenty of gi episodes to go through we do um, and then yeah we've got some more coming up and uh i'm excited for the future we got a lot of good topics coming up yeah we All will right, talk guys. to you guys soon have a wonderful week and uh keep getting your learn on and we'll talk to you next week bye, bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.